0: From the betting capital of the world,
1: Vegas, baby, Vegas!
0: It's Wager Talk with Teddy Covers
1: at Ralph Michaels. It's New Year's Eve here in Sin City, and welcome to Wager Talk, your Sports Central for gamblers. My name is Ted Sabransky. They call me Teddy Covers at Eddie underscore covers on Twitter. Joined as always by my co host and good friend, Ralph Michaels at CalSportsLV on Twitter. I want to welcome all of you watching on the Sports grid TV network. Welcome, Zumo viewers. Welcome, Stir viewers. Welcome, Pluto TV viewers. Welcome to those of you on the iHeartRadio network. Welcome to all of uh, those of you listening on our podcast outlets. Let's get into it, Ralph. We have a loaded show for New Year's Eve. We have College Bowls going now as we speak. Just a quick scoring update. Arizona State leads Florida State 3-0 after the first quarter. Virginia Tech and Kentucky in a battle right now, 30-24 to in the fourth. Hokies with the lead, Wildcats with the football. We have another game kicking off while we are on air. We'll break that one down before kickoff. And, of course, we're we'll get into NBA, college hoops, NFL, bowl previews. Loaded show. Let's start like we love to do. B, 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 B. Bad beats, bad bets, bad for the books. What happened last night? And Ralph, I don't know which one was worse. (laughs) I know which one was worse. The first half was probably worse. Western Michigan and Western Kentucky yesterday. A game that was going on as we were on air. Lo and behold. Let's just start with the first half, all right? You're laying a point or two with Western Kentucky in the first half. All right. They're up 10-3. to They're driving. Time's winding down. What happens? 88-yard pick six. Tied at 10. All right, no biggie. Western still got time. March down the field, getting a field goal range, 29-yard chip shot. Oops. (laughs) Doesn't go through. That made all the difference if you laid the point. So, for the first half, West Kentucky was a right-side, wrong result. For the full game, it was the play we talked about on air. Western Michigan, a clear path to a first down. The quarterback slips. They end up kicking the field goal. Oh, not good. (laughs) You saw the ending of that one, Ralph. And bottom line, you didn't lose your bet if you had Western Michigan. Your plus three, plus three and a half were widely available. But looked like they were going to win the game. They didn't do it. Tough beats either way.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at the box score, Western Kentucky, 481 to 307-yard edge, 28 to 19 first down edge. Uh, if you watch the second half of the game, though, it looked like Western Michigan had the better offense Turnovers—the difference there, you know, with with what you said, and you know it happens in bowl games. Dogs we talked, you know, have been a fifty-seven percent cover the last nine years. Hasn't been the case going into yesterday's games. The favorites had gone fourteen and eight.
1: Yeah, well, a couple of dogs made noise last night. Certainly Louisville, and uh, they were down fourteen nothing against Mississippi State, and looking like they were a little bit outclassed in the trenches in that ball game. Well, Scott Satterfield is a coach you've talked about a lot this year. He woke up. Louisville woke up, and they pretty much dominated the game thereafter. Trailed 14 to nothing. Hey, they won by double digits. They were a dog. Louisville pulls off the upset.
2: Yeah, well, they were out. They were outclassed in the trenches. Mississippi State has more talent than Louisville. You have to realize this Louisville team with a first-year head coach, with what they went through with their coaching schemes, they lost 22 players 22 scholarship players with the with the coaching change. So, I mean, they're, they're about as, as lack of depth as anyone in college football, any D1 team. But coaching prevailed. Of course, Mississippi State was without their quarterback. Then their running back gets hurt. He was going for the school's all-time record. So those injuries led to the better coach team winning the game and clearly a more motivated team coming off a two-win season the year before.
1: Sure. Uh, I mean, Louisville, a heck of a turnaround in 2019. However, expectations will be fairly high for 2020. Expectations that, again, given the depleted roster, I think Louisville might be a little bit overrated going into next year. Maybe. We'll have to see. We had point spread drama in the Orange Bowl last night. And really, if you bet Virginia right before kickoff, there was nothing but Florida money in that game. And they went, you know, 14, uh, open 13 and a half, 14, 14 and a half. Through the 15, through the 16, close 16 and a half in a lot of places. So at the very end, if you bet Virginia late, you weren't sweating. But if you bet them early or most of the week or most of bowl season, you were sweating at plus 14 and a half. They were down 15. But a late TD in the final minute, the Cavs played 60 minutes, and that's all you could ask for. They got the money. Florida got the win. Who cares about wins? We care about point spread covers. Virginia coming through the back door late.
2: Yeah. Even, you know, even when Florida made that field goal, you know, the announcer had to said, well, I guess that means things to some people with the total going over, you know, (laughs) I, I guess it's going to be another year or two, Teddy, before we just say, well, if he makes this kick, it goes over the Vegas total. So, you know, I, I, how cute do you have to be to say, Oh, some people are interested in this kick, but you know, it's a bowl game. You have, you have a, a team that was was coming off a huge win against their in-state rival, wanted to prove they can be competitive, and you know they weren't going to stop trying. So as you said, the late money was never a concern. But those that bet Virginia prior to yesterday, um, a nice a nice backdoor cover.
1: Yeah, you'll take them when you can get them uh, for sure. Let's talk a little NBA from last night. There were double-digit dogs barking the Hawks uh, and the Wizards. Atlanta winning outright as a double-digit underdog in Orlando. And Washington winning outright as a double-digit home dog against Miami. This period between Christmas and New Year's, not a bad time to be playing some money lines on these big dogs in the NBA. Some of the favorites don't show up.
2: You look at the Hawks without Trey Young, you know, winning outright as a ten-point dog. Well, let's see. Atlanta now is two and zero against Orlando and five and twenty-seven against the rest of the league.
1: <laughs> well, that so does that mean anything moving forward to them the next time they play Orlando?
2: Uh, you know, I, I oh. have to think you're not going to look past them as far as the favorite goes. You know, during the break, Teddy, I'm going to take a look at. Uh, If you lose back-to-back games as a favorite, including a double-digit favorite, what that means in the next matchup. So we will find out as I go to my database on the break.
1: I love it. One more NBA to talk about, of course, last night. A big line move towards Brooklyn, town sitting for Minnesota. Well, all the money poured in on the Nets. T-Wolves win in overtime. That's a good result for the house. When we come back, we're talking line movers. Yeah, New Year's Eve hoops nba college hoops plus bowls and nfl stay tuned wager talk continues stay on the grid So Wager talk is a new show. We've only been around, this is our first, first football season. And we're closing out our first football season here on the Sports Grid Network. We're trying to build something real. And we really need your help. That's the bottom line. <laughs> you know, if you like the show, give us a like, give us a retweet, give us a follow. And if you're interested in this type of stuff, and I know you are because you're watching, all right, find us on YouTube. At SportsGrid Network. That's all fantasy and sports wagering all the time. Find us on Instagram at SportsGrid TV. Again, on YouTube at SportsGrid Network, on Instagram at SportsGrid TV. We appreciate your help and looking forward to making 2020 a huge year for Wager Talk. Ralph, you did some research during the break. What do you got for us in terms of NBA teams off a double-digit loss?
2: Well, Teddy, what I did is I I, um, I did if you lost to the team as a favorite two games ago and then you lost to them outright as a double digit favorite in your last meeting, going back since 2010, you are 20 and 12. So it's only happened 32 times. You've gone 62.5 percent against the spread. And I will tell you, the Hawks did it to the Nuggets. The Nuggets will be facing the Hawks January 6th. The Bucks will be facing the Suns February 2nd. And then the Magics will be playing the Hawks February 10th. So you lose as a favorite two times ago. You lose as a double-digit favorite in your last meeting. And then you have bounced back to go 27-5 and straight up. 20 and 12 against the spread, 62.5%. And I do have one more thing I want to add, Teddy. Right before the break, we sort of went through that towns, that, that Minnesota sat towns, and they won again in overtime. How many times have we gone through hot topics or line movers, talked about a player sitting, and that team rallies? It's one thing our viewers need to pay attention to, especially in the NBA taking advantage of that line movement when the player sits, especially that first game being out or him sitting a random game, it's not the play against you think. It's actually just the opposite.
1: And that's a great point, Ralph, because it's not only that everybody else on the team wants to step up. The opponent lets down. You know, oh, we're not going to face Trey Young tonight. Oh, okay, it's going to be easy. It's normal human psychology, and we can take advantage of that. From a betting perspective, that's a good thing to do. Let's get into some line movers for today. And this one's gone back and forth. There was a ton of oversteam in Sacramento early with the Clips Kings playing on New Year's Eve tonight. And then we saw some under money come in. And now we're seeing some more over money. Injuries, of course, the key. De'Aaron Fox, All right, when he plays for Sacramento, you expect the total to go up. When Patrick Beverly doesn't play for the Clippers, you expect the total to go up. And that's the case for this evening. But there are other guys missing. Lou Williams not likely to go tonight for the Clips. He's their instant offense uh, off the bench. Marvin Bagley not likely to go for the Kings, uh, who was another more offense than defense type of guy. So without those two in the lineup, we've seen kind of two-way action on this total of late. Kings and Clippers total sitting in the range of 220 and a half.
2: Well, another thing I want to point out when we're talking about ATS records, and I'm going to say that I will mention that the Sacramento Kings, their last five times as a home dog, they've gone 5-0 and oh to the under or 0-5 oh over under. More importantly, though, when you look at the Kings as a home dog, the average score in the game is 202 points. The average line is... So when you have an ATS angle that goes under by 13.7 points per game, that is much stronger than an ATS angle that went under by one, went under by two, went under by three. So as you're looking at ATS numbers, the record's impressive, but the margin of cover is even more important to me.
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And again, those trends that are cashing th- about 13 points a game over a decent sample size, they're worth paying attention to. That favors the under in the Kings Clippers tonight. Let's talk the uh, Warriors. And hey, D'Angelo Russell sitting. So the money's coming against Golden State. I could have sworn we just talked about this. Yeah, sure. It's coming against the Warriors. Two-point move towards the Spurs. San Antonio bet up to a double-digit home favorite on New Year's Eve.
2: Well, it, you know, it, it's a spot that the Spurs are 5-15 and 15 as a home favorite. You know, it, it may be a great spot to play against Golden State, but I'm not backing a team that hasn't gotten margin when they win games. They're happy to win a game. So to me, it's a situation where you either play on the injury move or pass.
1: Yeah, so uh, we have Paul Millsap downrated to out tonight in Denver same time, James Harden and Clint Capella were both questionable. Now they're expected to be in. Well, let's see. You have a defensive low post stud sitting, and you have two offensive studs in. No surprise. Rockets money and over money in early betting action on New Year's Eve.
2: Yeah, Nuggets have, you know, gone over nine of their last 11 as a dog, you know, as a dog and as a road dog. So I completely understand that line move.
1: Yeah, and it's been fairly significant. Houston opened about a two-point dog. They're catching four and a half. Now, the total opened around 220. It's as high as 224 at many books as we speak. Let's talk a little college hoops for New Year's Eve. And what's this, disrespect for Duke? The early monies come for Boston College in this one. Not a huge move, but nonetheless, a move towards the Eagles. What's the deal? Why don't they like the Blue Devils?
2: I don't think it's disrespect. I just think Vegas is putting out a number based on the, the team's power ratings but you are starting conference play or i should say in the acc restarting conference play because they played a conference game to open up this season but you have familiarity you have teams that know how to prep for each other you have teams that now are all of a sudden are looking into you know what your schedule is you know duke duke has a road game against miami of florida this saturday so i think it's more the familiarity with the conference schedule why the reason the line drops.
1: There is some concern about Trey Jones' availability tonight for the Blue Devils. He leads the team with more than seven assists per game, and he is dealing with a foot injury. We're seeing understeam between Butler and St. John's. It's significant understeam. That total got bet all the way down or opened in the range of 139, 138. Now I'm looking at 134s, 135s out there. Why do they like the under in that Butler-St. John's game?
2: Well, I think it's who you favor here. You won't have a more disparate game in college basketball. Maybe the rest of the year, between the St. John's uh, Red Storm, led by Mike Anderson, they are the sixth quickest team as far as tempo goes on offense, butler number 342 oh yeah there's only 353 teams and uh in college basketball so huge disparity between offense and defense and St John's always also has Mustafa hair and questionable to play today he did practice the last two days I expect him to be in
1: so the markets in that one are definitely saying don't look for the red storm to control the pace in this one you're not going to speed Butler up correct
2: Uh, Absolutely. They think Butler has the better guard, so Butler should be able to control the pace.
1: Now, we're going to go deep into the NFL playoff uh, games, all four of them, for this weekend in our final segment of the show today. or Our final extended segment of the show today. But from a line-mover standpoint, there's definitely two worth talking about. First, the Bills have officially taken money. This was three. Now it's down to two-and-a-half Buffalo off the key number three and then we've seen the saints viking total get bet up significantly two big moves that take a fair bit of money in early week nfl playoff betting action
2: ah i agree with one of the two you know I, i think buffalo the number being two or two and a half is the right number in that spot i don't agree with the total which we'll end up talking about more in a minute teddy
1: Sure, we're talking about two pretty good defenses in New Orleans and Minnesota. But when we come back, we're going to talk Bulls today, tomorrow, Thursday. Plus NFL coming up too. Stay tuned. Stay on the grid. Wait, you're talking to me. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join dailyroto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS line combinations and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you're playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you're doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount, DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. So, uh, we talked yesterday on the show about why we don't play teasers in college football. Now, I'm not saying that anyone just had Virginia Tech teas, <laughs> but if you did... You didn't enjoy the last 30 seconds of that ballgame. Kentucky with a late touchdown. Then they score one more on the funny business on the final play. 37-30 final score. Wildcats beat the Hokies. And that was one that brought point spread drama right into the final minute. And if you tease the favorite, oh, that's ugly.
2: Yeah, I was on the Hokies, Teddy. So, uh, you know, I'm peeking over watching this game and just frustrated as as all get up. I mean, you have Bud Foster in your last game. You have a quarterback that's only going to run for Kentucky. You know he's running the ball, and yet you can't contain him. You you give him outside. Your defensive ends don't keep him inside the box. So, uh, you know, losing on the last touchdown by him passing the ball, I can live with that. But just just a, a weird, weird game, the way they defensively prepared for the Wildcats.
1: 18-play, 85-yard drive, taking more than eight minutes of the fourth quarter. Kentucky gets the win and cover, the over. Really never in doubt in that one. The other scoring update I have for you, midway through the second quarter, Arizona State leads 6-0 over the Florida State Seminoles. We have another bowl game that kicks off in what? Less than 20 minutes. Let's talk about it real quick. Navy minus two and a half. Total 53 against Kansas State.
2: Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record if you watched yesterday. But, you know, you and I are in agreement. I'm going to throw out the records again. Military academies in bowls, 34 and 14 against the spread. Military academies in bowls where they're playing an opponent that has a win percentage of 600 or more. 24 and four against the spread it's hard to emulate the option it's hard to practice against chop blocking because your team doesn't do it and you also made a good point to how navy has been a very high scoring team unlike many options teams as they throw on the ball more this year than they have in the past
1: yeah i've got some navy kansas state over in my pocket so we're rooting for touchdowns in that one navy uh each of the last three bowl games got in the 40s When they faced Army and Air Force, the two teams that know how to defend them better than any, they still got in the 30s. I'm not convinced they're going to shut down K-State. But I do think Navy's going to get theirs. I do like that game to get up and over the total. And again, we've seen a little bit of under money before kickoffs. If you shop around right now, you can even find 52s for that over-under. Teddy, I I
2: have one more matchup, one more matchup, uh, statistical matchup anomaly in that game. Sure, Navy is the number two red zone offense. Yeah, Kansas State is the number one hundred and thirty red zone defense.
1: Ouch! <laughs> I I didn't know K State was that bad in the red zone defensively. And I can't I mean uh, I I can't think of a rationale for that stat. It stands out to me as being is that random or is Kansas State like why haven't they been able to keep teams out of the end zone this year? It doesn't make a ton well, of they, sense. They just they happen, have have team at speed on D.
2: If you look at their numbers, they've been outgained in so many games. They just have had a lot of turnovers where they got some they got some short touchdowns. But when teams get in the red zone, now, you know, the difference is it's because most teams in the Big 12 pass to score touchdowns. But, um, yeah, it, it, it's just that they don't give up much. They slow the tempo. The scores are less. So it's not like they've given up the most touchdowns. They've just given up the highest percentage when you're talking the red zone defense.
1: And if you're looking for live odds, uh, free live odds, you can get them at wagertalk.com every day. Uh, And just watching them click around right now in this stretch before kickoff, I was like, the money's coming on the under. No, it isn't. Now it's coming back on the over. (laughs) It's really bouncing around. Uh, There is money showing for Kansas State as we approach kickoff. Navy uh, was, you know, two and a half, now twos and even one and a half starting to pop up. Uh, And they are getting two way action on the total tonight. The Alamo Bowl. You remember the Alamo? I don't. I was dead. Or I wasn't born yet when that happened. Uh, But the bottom line is, we're all going to remember it tomorrow. Utah, minus seven, total of 58 against Texas. The Utes, they were one win away from being in the playoffs. Now they got to play in the Alamo Bowl. Texas, they were talking about competing for a Big 12 title this year. Now they're playing in the Alamo Bowl. Which team is less disappointed and more likely to show up and play well?
2: Well, clearly to me, I think it was Utah because Texas may have had aspirations, but Texas was a team that only returned nine starters this year. You're not getting to the national championship only returning nine starters. They had such an overhyped situation at quarterback that they thought that could overcome that. Utah was a team to me that legitimately was good enough. You know, you went to the Pac-12 championship the year before. You were without your quarterback. You were without your running back, and, and you made a game of it. This year, you returned, boss. You returned your quarterback. You know, you were a team that returned 14 starters, seven on each side of the ball. You were a team that didn't play any difficult non-conference games. Your schedule was BYU, Northern Illinois, and, and Idaho State. You know, then what happens? You you go in and you play a brand new offense for USC. Graham Harrell bringing the air raid there, catches you by surprise, and then you lose in the championship against Oregon where, uh, to be honest with you, you were just out physical But clearly, this is the exact bubble burst situation I normally play against. You know, this is where Auburn lost the title game and then loses to UCF. But – I really have faith in Winningham. I think he's 10-3 and 3 ATS in bowl games. You have a a, a seasoned, senior-led squad with leadership. Um, you don't have people sitting out because they potentially could go to the NFL. So I, I do like the Utes in this spot to win the game. <laughs> but because of that situation and the bubble burst, I think it's too high of a spread to to bet. So I went back and forth on this game. Originally lean Texas. Yeah. Herman's been a good dog. We always talk about it, but his dog record, I think is three and three, the last six. So let's put that to rest. He was 12 and one or 13 and one. And now we could say he's 14 and four and he's still good, but three and three, the last six or three and four, the last seven, he is three and zero oh, though in bowl games and did beat a disinterested Georgia team again last year. So very familiar situation. I think Kyle Whittingham's the difference of Utah versus Texas compared to Georgia versus Texas last season.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, as you mentioned, Whittingham 10 and 3 ATS in bowl games. Herman 15 and 5, my number show, his last 20 tries as an underdog. Let's talk Citrus Bowl early New Year's Day. And look, out here on the West Coast, these are really early. <laughs> you know, 9 a.m. starts. Uh, so if you're partying tonight, you won't be up for kickoff <laughs> necessarily tomorrow morning for this one. All that said, you better get your bed in tonight. Alabama, Michigan, Citrus Bowl, Crimson Tide, minus seven, total 58.
2: I got to the window with this one, Teddy. And, you know, as far as the side is concerned, I, I do lean Alabama, oh. even though they're in, they're in a spot where – You know, a Citrus Bowl against Michigan is not exciting. The funny thing is, you look at some publications, some preseason publications that came out in May. There were multiple magazines that predicted Michigan against Alabama in a playoff game. So both teams disappointing. I got to the window with the over. This Alabama team, you know, you look at 335 yards per game on the road that they allowed, will knock off the Duke game at the beginning of the season, and it was an average SEC defense down the stretch. You look at Michigan, you know, they were held against Ohio State. They made a couple big drives early. Ohio State made adjustments. You know, I think both teams score. I think both defenses are in that disinterested mode. And as I said, I did get to the window on the over.
1: We've got four more bowl games to get through. We don't have much time, so let's run through them as fast as we can. Outback poll, Auburn, minus seven, total of 54 against Minnesota.
2: Lean Auburn for me. Minnesota, great job to get there. But in these big bowls, I think you have to have been there once to have success.
1: Yeah, I do worry about the uh, the Gophers' ability to step up in class in this one. Very impressed with Minnesota's passing game. That's a balanced, dynamic offense. I don't know if their defense is going to be able to hang with uh, the shutdown Auburn, and I don't know if they're going to be able to hang in the trenches defensively against that Tigers' stout front. Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Wisconsin, minus three, total of 51.5 against Oregon.
2: Normally, I don't go against Paul Christ in bowl games, 5-1 straight up in ATS, but I will. Oregon started this year showing me how physical they could be against Auburn. Oregon finished this year showing me how physical they could be against Utah. You shut down Wisconsin's rush game. You're a one-dimensional team that can easily be shut down. Oregon is my top New Year's Day play.
1: Yeah, Jack Cohn played well in the finale against Minnesota. That's been the exception rather than the rule. And one more real quick to punch in. the Sugar Bowl, Georgia, minus five. Nothing but Baylor money in this one. Despite Matt Rule taking interviews, not taking interviews, his name's been bandied about for basically every head coaching job available in the NFL.
2: You know, I see a lot of fours now for Georgia. I like Baylor over a touchdown. I think the line moves now too q Where Georgia's only laying four, I would have to back the Bulldogs now.
1: NFL playoff previews coming up next right here on Wager Talk. Stay on the grid. NFL betting discussion we have playoffs this weekend and Ralph I'm not sure what you're trying to tell me (laughs) he's trying to tighten me know you know
2: I I had a question and I didn't know the answer and I know you are uh, you know perhaps you read something that I didn't you know this year's unique going the AFC games both on Saturday the NFC both on Sunday they already listed the days for next week. San Francisco will be hosting on Saturday and Baltimore on Saturday. So they put both number one seeds on Saturday. So the opponents have less rest when they're facing those one seeds. Was that intentional or was that just the way the schedule played out?
1: I think it's all TV ratings. You know, it's okay. just whatever the matchup is on Saturday night that they want. Um, because remember, the the top seed already gets the benefit of the playoffs getting reseeded. You know, they, they get the lowest remaining seed available. So if the six seed knocks off the three, they don't end up playing the four or five winner. They'll play the six seed. Uh, so you know to, to earn that home field and that number one seed definitely worth something in the postseason. Not just when it comes to your opponent, but in this issue for San Fran, they, as you mentioned, they'll be playing a team that will be coming in on short rest as well.
2: Eddie, Before well, let me we ask get you into about the play. Let me oh. let me ask you, because you're our playoff expert breaking down these games. You well, know, before- we obviously have Houston minus two and a half, forty two and a half. I did a guide at Wager Talk where I broke down the teams when they played opponents with a record of 500 or better when that when they had played that team. The Bills only played six teams this year with a record of 500 or better. They went three and three straight up, four and two against the spread. They were plus point eight points per game. They were minus three yards per game. The Texans actually played 11 opponents that had a record of 500 or better, eight and three straight up, six and five against the spread, three and six over under. But the shocking number in that, the Houston Texans were outgained by 46 yards per game when they have played opponent that was at 500 or better throughout this season. Your take on the Texans and the Bills.
1: Well, the Texans played more opponents with a 500 or better record than any team in the playoffs. 11 of their games came against, quote-unquote, quality foes. New England faced only six of those, or uh, Buffalo faced only six of those all year. Um, When you look at at the strength of schedule. And strength of schedule is something I pay a lot of attention to, especially in round one, all right? If you've done nothing but bet on the team with the tougher strength of schedule in the wildcard round of the playoffs for the last two decades, you've cashed at better than 60%. So you talk about a blind system that works. You take the team that's battle-tested. And Houston, with those 11 games, they are battle-tested. Now, any questions on the injury front? For the Texans. I was reading earlier today, it looks like just about all of their key guys who sat last week are going to play this week. There are two big questions. One is J.J. Watt, who the rumor has it that he's been activated or going to be activated from IR, but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, and the second guy is Will Fuller, the guy who stretches opposing defenses and a guy who they desperately need against a Buffalo Bills defense that is stout in the red zone and doesn't give up a lot of big plays. In the passing game, Buffalo is the tends to, it says done some things very well this year. They've won on the road all year consistently played good football away from home. They've been able to win ugly and rely on their defense to control games. And of course, when you're winning on defense, that's going to translate to the postseason. but the bills aren't going to outscore anybody. <laughs> uh, and when I look at these two teams in Houston, again, they've been in the postseason. This is the fourth time in the last five years. We've only won one playoff game during that entire span. This is a team I think the Texans can beat, and frankly, the price is fairly cheap to ask Houston to beat them. So the money's come on Buffalo. I'll put it this way: not my money, (laughs) Uh, and you know, and nor do I expect that. I and at two and a half, there's no way I want the Bills at this price. It'd be Houston. Eddie, I
2: I have I have a follow up question for you. Does does the newness of the Bills only having been in the playoffs once in the last 20-some years and Josh Allen a playoff virgin, because the only other time the Bills have been in the playoffs the last 20 years, two years ago they went into Jacksonville and they lost that game 10-3. to Does Josh Allen first playoff game concern you, and is that part of your handicapping?
1: Uh, it concerns me a little bit. It's not anything that's going to get me on or off the window I think Houston's a better team than Buffalo therefore I like the Texans at less than a field goal at home um I when you watch Josh Allen and the Bills passing game if Buffalo's a couple scores behind they're going to have a difficult time rally you know Buffalo does not score easily <laughs> you know what they do they play great Red Zone defense they, they they win ugly they do a lot of things right but when it comes to the postseason Sean Watson's been there. I trust him a little bit more than Josh Allen. Allen's got a deep arm, but uh, the Bills have not consistently been able to put together big plays in the passing game the way Houston has. That gives them a problem if they're behind, and that certainly gives them a problem uh, (laughs) in a game lined where the straight-up winner likely to cover the point spread.
2: In the nightcap on Saturday, Tennessee travels to New England. The Patriots played seven teams, 500 or better. They went two and five ATS, four and three straight up. They were plus 11 yards per game. The Titans played eight teams. They went four and four straight up, four and four against the spread. They were plus 23 yards per game. We saw some early Tennessee money. Now we're seeing some New some New England money back, even seeing some fives and five and a halves. I know it says four and a half and 43 and a half. Fluid numbers in the playoffs this early week of action. It's the Patriots. Tom Brady has had a quarterback rating of over 97. One game in the last 11 games he's played. Are the Patriots done or is it New England at home? And they will advance.
1: Well, so every year I, there's a process that I go through the first week of the playoffs. I go through and I, I power rate every team's opponents on the game, the week the game was played. So I'm getting, a, in my mind, a much more accurate strength of schedule number than any aggregate numbers. All right, I'm taking my numbers to their opponent every week, and how tough was their schedule? Of the 12 playoff teams, the Patriots faced the single easiest schedule of any of them. And, oh, by the way, every time they stepped up in class, they got smacked. All right? (laughs) So that doesn't bode well for New England. Now, we've seen the offense scuffle all year. You talked about Brady not getting the job done and not finding a rhythm with his receiving core and an offensive line that hasn't been healthy and a running game that hasn't been able to to, to carry the load. And, again, they still won the division. It's not like New England stinks. (laughs) All right? But (laughs) the offense is down. Brady doesn't get his bye week. And the defense last, again, bye week on the line. And of all the teams in the NFL that needed the bye week, New England probably needed it the most. All right. Bye week on the line. All you need is one stop in the fourth quarter against a last place Dolphins team. Belichick has his starters in the game. They can't get the stop. Offense is dicey. Defense is dicey. And they played the weakest schedule of the bunch. You know where I'm going here. I will not be laying with New England this week. It's Tennessee or pass for this better. And it's worth noting, the Titans when come to red zone, the single best red zone offense in the NFL this year, and that is even better when you take out the Marcus Mariota numbers. They scored touchdowns consistently when given the opportunity. If they do that in Foxborough, they'll win the game straight up. So
2: let me ask you this, Teddy, if if our viewers, if our viewers have the same belief as you, like liking the Titans. Is if they get a five and a half now, should they go grab it or is it wait and see for you?
1: I'll lock in right now. I absolutely would. Um, I I don't see this number going through the roof. It was four and a half earlier today. It was five and a half now. I'm not getting any sense that it's going to go any higher than that. None of the books are indicating uh, that we can expect a groundswell of Patriots support from the uh, wise guys over the course of the the room. Week. The Saints
2: played nine games against opponents 500 or better, seven and two straight up, six and three against the spread. They were plus 30 yards per game. The Vikings played 10, but they were only five and five straight up in ATS and only plus three yards per game. Obviously, paying the premium if you like the Saints laying over a touchdown here, either seven and a half or the eight. The total's 49. We know the Vikings are a home-road dichotomy team that that likes to play at home and struggles on the road, but is eight points too much to lay with the Saints.
1: So it looks like Dalvin Cook's going to be back from Minnesota this week, which should make a big difference for them in theory. But you have to ask yourself, before you make a bet in this game, and with any playoff game, you're like, all right, Texans-Bills, who do I want, Deshaun Watson or Josh Allen? You know, Do I want Tom Brady or Ryan Tannehill? In this instance, you say, do I want Kirk Cousins or do I want Drew Brees? And I haven't been a guy that's ripped Kirk Cousins on a consistent basis, but I don't want Kirk Cousins in a playoff game. I don't want Kirk Cousins against a good defense, and I don't want Kirk Cousins away from home. Now, the Saints have been monsters at winning all the close games all year, and they've been incredible. And winning all the close games all year. Much to my chagrin, I had a Saints under ticket in my pocket going into the season. I thought when Teddy Bridgewater got in in game three, that was going to be an easy cash. And it wasn't. But it's a Saints defense that's better than they've been given credit for. And a Saints offense that basically has not been stopped. And a Vikings team, to me, that looks vulnerable. Of all the games this weekend, I say this is the most likely to be a home favorite blowout. I don't want the dog in this one.
2: Well, you know, our many of our viewers know that wager talk acquired the gold sheet this past year and the gold sheet tells us that since 1978 home dogs in the wild card round are 15 6 and 2. Seattle now finds themselves as the road favorite. They were one and a half, even some twos now at Philadelphia, a total of 45 and a half. The Eagles were 3 and 5 straight up against those teams 500 or better, 3 and 5 ATS, and they were actually outgained at minus 6 yards per game. Seattle 4 and 4 straight up, 4 and 4 ATS, plus 17 yards per game.
1: So one of the reasons why I do that process every year, why I go through and I, uh, go through the the power rating of every opponent the week the game that was played. It's because I want to see what my numbers show compared to the mainstream numbers. The Sagarin Strength of Schedule for 2019 says that the Seattle Seahawks played the single toughest schedule in the NFL, and the number one, and Philadelphia Eagles played the single easiest schedule in the NFL, number 32. And at first glance, I've never seen that in a playoff game before. That never happened. Then I'm like, that doesn't that doesn't smell right based on. So I went back and did my process. And according to my numbers, based on the power ratings of their opponents on the week that the game was played, Philly played a tougher schedule than Seattle this year. So this is Sagarin saying toughest schedule in the NFL versus easiest schedule, one versus 32. And my numbers say that's complete BS and ignore it. You talked about the trend for home dogs. You talked about the Seahawks and their injuries. You talked about Seattle having a chance last week to win the division, and instead they lost. And I know they came a yard shot. They were coming from behind in that game. I got my issues with the Seahawks. Eagles are passed for this better.
2: Take us home, Teddy. You, you talked about the Patriots. If if there's a Tennessee five and a half, any n- other number out there right now that our people should be grabbing, or are we going to wait and talk more? after New Year's on Thursday.
1: Well, if you like Houston, grab my two and a half now. I don't think that number will necessarily be there by kickoff. That's one that absolutely stands out to me. I would expect that line to close three. We're going to give you some New Year's wishes, resolutions, and the like. Stay tuned. wager talk continues. Stay on the grid. stretch on new year's eve our final show for 2019 ralph and it's time for new year's resolutions we got to give some new year's resolutions some wishes for betters in 2020 i'm going to start with my wish for betters for 2020 and it's real simple i've only won win the games you're supposed to win okay that's what matters that's what ca- you don't want to have the games that you're oh you cover for 59 minutes and 59 seconds and then it goes the other way You don't want to have the games where you're the right side but the wrong result. My New Year's wish for all of you, myself included, not asking to win the wrong sides. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's going to happen. But I want to win the games I'm supposed to win and not give the money to the other side in the games where I was right. That's my top wish for betters in 2020. What about you, Ralph?
2: Teddy, it's something you've talked about much more than I have. But you have a fresh start here being January 1st. Start tracking your plays. Start tracking the lines you got. Mark games where you could have had a better line. Mark how much you're betting on those games. It will amaze you when you go back after a week and after a month and start looking at your notes Teddy, you've been writing games down for, what, 20 years. My Excel database has, has lines after lines after lines. This is the time to get the fresh start. Bet like a professional. Keep track like a professional. Learn to benefit from the teams you have good reads from. Learn to stay away from the teams you have bad reads from. And make 2020 a better betting year than 2019.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, that you know, no one this is not a get rich quick scheme. Okay. <laughs> if it was, I'd be rich and out of the business already. It is, however, a way to earn some income. Absolutely, if you do it right. And Ralph talking about tracking wagers. I can't think of better advice. You have any New Year's resolutions? You're a New Year's resolution guy, Ralph? What do you got going? And what do you do in New Year's? You going on the strip?
2: Yeah, no, no. You know, I'm not a New Year's guy. I'll I'll go to my local pub about seven o'clock and If I see New York City highlights come on for New Year's, it's time for me to go to bed.
1: (laughs) Hey, thanks for watching, guys. Enjoy New Year's. We'll see you in 2020. No show tomorrow. We'll be back again on Thursday. Enjoy the game.